now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Ali Shilton. I'm Steffi Barnett on today's show. At the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I catch up with Alex Roberts about his upcoming show. Uh, and of course, News Extra. Our deeper dive into the news topics. Uh, all that more coming today, right here on Shout Out. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Where did that go? <laughs> I thought, I, thought <laughs> I won't do it for a change. I'll, I'll let you not do it. Sorry. Well, we down. don't like to talk over you, Andy. No, no. It's not like we don't hear enough of you on the radio, though. That's Let's very true. <laughs> are, are you like Twice Nightly Whiteley was? <laughs> oh, Twice Nightly Whiteley, yes. Yes. Richard Whiteley from Countdown, yes. Yes, he used to be known as t- Twice, Whiteley, Twice Nightly Whiteley on uh, Calendar TV up in Yorkshire. No. Um, because obviously he, he was do, doing Countdown and doing uh, the news programme for Well, I'm not on he was a news Twice in one too. night. No, you're on five times in one night, yes. <laughs> 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 yeah, not on the radio. We tune in and it all renames to Steph FM. We've already had this conversation Steph, before, Steph I'm FM. sure. Steph FM. Steph FM. Steph FM. Yeah, 208. Steph AM. Yeah, that would be, yeah. strictly speaking. Steph AM. Steph AM. That's it. Keep going, Terry. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Anyway, we survived through the heat wave, all of us. Gosh. Including, yes. including BCFM and uh, all of our other stations. Because, Terry, you were saying some of them in London had real problems. Some radio stations in London, their transmitters went for a wander up and down the band because the cooling had uh, <laughs> broken down, had to be switched off quick. Yes, uh, like computers, transmitters need a cool environment to work effectively. Mm. So, uh, But BCFM was broadcasting through it all, so was Transradio UK, so was all the stations we're on so yeah well done a very everyone. warm welcome to all of you yes lovely indeed. to have you joining us uh, bath radio is especially because uh, we're new to bath radio in the last few weeks oh, and uh, oh yeah they did really pride, didn't they they did ollie, ollie we made ollie's lovely week ollie. i tell you <laughs> well he, he said to me he said he's a eurovision fan he loves eurovision oh, and to, meet, right. to meet katrina from katrina and the waves who was on eurovision course, one yeah. one eurovision yep. for us in 1997 that was a bit he like, was made up that's a bit like poor tristan bless him when i was interviewing Peter Tatchell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't say a word afterwards. He was just like, oh, I'm so starstruck. Well, I was yeah. just saying, we, we've all had that happen. Yeah. But luckily, uh, interviewing Katrina, who's one of my yeah. one of my favourites as well. Yeah. Really good fun. So. Well, we've done two prizes this year. Um, do keep listening because we might have some news on some more. Ooh. Because oh. Mark. Uh, LGBTQIA plus marching season is not over yet. No. no. June has gone. July's coming to an end, yeah. but we carry on into September, don't we? With Absolutely. The yeah. yeah, right through August, September. Um, Things in October as well. Some in October, yeah. yeah. yeah is, right. it one, is it one trans pride in... It's in one of the colder months. That's November, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the big one has happened in Brighton, hasn't it? There was, yeah. there was but there are regional ones, you're right. A lot of people. Yeah, I mean yeah, the one here in Bristol. That tends to be later in the year. The one that's in November that usually. Was, um, yes, at the station. That's more of a festival. Trans Radio actually, actually broadcast live from the Brighton Trans. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, so that was good. It's yeah. nice to see our partner stations getting out. 
mm. you know, like we do. So yeah. it was good. Yeah, covering the pride, bringing it home. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, like we say, I mean, we always we always do it to put it in the ears of the people who unfortunately can't be there for whatever reason. You know, That's so right. it's really good if um, other stations are, are doing the same. So unfortunately, um, the biggest thing we've got asked this year that we're trying to sort for next year is a lot of people wanted to listen again. And it's not an easy thing to do because, of course, um, there's a lot of music in it. Ah, um, copyright. And for copyright yes. reasons, we're, we're not allowed to not allowed yeah. to do that. But what we are doing is um, we are playing the odd interview from it. So if you missed it on the day because you were there, obviously we interview a lot of the people when when we're backstage um, with them. We have we put Peter Tatchell's out last week. That's on podcast if you want to go read it. Um, mm. And there may be a few more coming over the course of the next few weeks. Yep, indeed. I hope so because I didn't yep. actually hear a lot of the interviews because I was around and f- following what was on. On the stage, so I didn't hear what the guests were saying. Yeah. You were throwing yourself at the VIPs, <laughs> weren't you? You know me. <laughs> I tell you, I was throwing myself at the workmen on my street this morning with their tops <laughs> off when they walking down to the bus this morning. There was a morning, morning. Oh, hello, good morning. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> Did you get their numbers? I think that would be a bit forward, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. That would be a little bit forward. Yes, and you're too much of a gentleman for that. Of course. (laughs) Somebody else does all believe. That's like saying Andy's sweet and innocent as well, you know. Yes. Of course I am. Still waters run deep. Oh, do you want to sing that one? (laughs) River deep runs deep. Might play that tomorrow. Oh, and there's another one. That's two I'm going to play tomorrow. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, you're listening to Shouts Out. Stay with us because coming up um, Steph is going to be catching up at Edinburgh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival Ooh. it's not easy to say that one it's a bit like trying to do the headline act to pride doesn't well, it you're uh, using cheap too. glue again aren't you <laughs> have to get you some denture glue <laughs> so anyway that's coming up in a minute stay with us you're listening to Shout Out the Shout Out podcast one two three ABC Cigala Got easy love though. that just sounds like Michael Jackson to me <laughs> it's not. well he did is it, it is first it, is it a sample or is it somebody else singing? I don't know because it does sound like it does Michael. sound very much like like Michael. it sounds like the original in a yes. lot of it I know there's lots of tinkering electronicry but um, I think it's been raised a bit raised if it is a sample it's not they put the tape a bit faster. <laughs> Fast forward. Well, they put a 45 up to a 78. They understand. All the youngsters listening now switch off going, what's the tape? I, I, I was going to say, we, we could have some nice reel-to-reel. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you not really are dating this show now, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry, we're just, we're just we audio do. files. That's what it is. <laughs> That's how I started doing yeah. my first radio oh. shows. My granddad's reel-to-reel when I was eight years old. Yeah. Oh. Well, and tapes are coming back, by the way. I was in Rough Trade Records today here in Bristol, and all the latest releases by Billie Eilish and all these people, they're also getting released on cassette mm. because some people prefer cassettes are cassettes. coming back they're coming back yeah. wow I'm not, not, not sure that's a good thing Philips <laughs> con- uh, the old uh, compact cassette which was bought out originally by Philips um, is not the most reliable of technology shall we well, say. at least no, to, you used to, to wind up didn't you used they? to have <laughs> to carry your HP pencil with you <laughs> yes. didn't you to wind it wind do you remember the 8 track no oh, yes the I eight had an 8 track wow do you know the 8 track anyway 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 we're like we're like running out of time <laughs> well, they were gay eight tracks. Just to uh, just have a link. <laughs> so uh, this is you talking to uh, Alexis. Alexis Jordan. Alex. Alex Jordan. Roberts. 
Jordan? No, that's the name Alexa of the next track. <laughs> oh my God, Andy. Right, for those of you who live down south um, and think that the world ends at uh, Cheltenham, you'll be glad to know that Scotland actually exists and is not a figment. And I'm joined by Alex Roberts, who's proof perfect. And um, you're at the Edinburgh Fringe, Alex, is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. We're really, really, really excited um, to be taking our debut solo show, No Place Like Home, um, up to Pleasant's Dome this year. It's been three years since the Fringe has been away. So, I mean, we're, we're just absolutely over the moon and so excited. Tell me how you got into um, music and dance. Well, I mean, I, tra- I went to Warwick University where I studied theatre. Um, and I met some incredible theatre companies while I was working there and actually didn't end up doing very much of my um, course at all. <laughs> Ended up right. um, devising theatre, making theatre, joining in with all the societies. Um, and in my first year, I ended up going to the Edinburgh Fringe um, with a terrible production of, um, <laughs> I think it was a Carol Churchill play. I just really caught the bug. I just thought, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to, you know, make work. I want to be performing in work. Um, and after that, I trained as an actor at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama um, and began my journey there of producing my own work. And, and it's, been a, it's been a journey and uh, the pandemic has definitely interrupted um, some of the momentum, but it feels amazing to finally um, have a piece of work that I've co-created with an amazing team, finally on you know, an internationally recognised platform. Yep, and Edinburgh Fringe is internationally known, absolutely, yeah. Tell me, Alex, a little bit about your uh, growing up when you were a kid. How was that? I mean, I was a theatre kid through and through. Right, okay. Well, (laughs) your mum and dad dad were in in theatre? No, not at all, not at all. My mum was a teacher and uh, my dad worked in marketing um, and they just had this rambunctious little child who was just an absolute little show-off. <laughs> <laughs> an absolute show-off. And I started doing dance when I was very little, um, you know, did all the youth theatre and stuff. And to be honest, my first love in musical theatre, like, you know, I'd be on the school trip with my iPod in, listening to, like, Liza Minnelli and the 1975 Cars recording of <laughs> a chorus line and just dreamt of being on the stage, just dreamt of it. Um and yeah, and like I said, university is just where I found my people, really. And um, I realised that as much as I love musical theatre, um, for me, it was all about um, making and performing in political work. And I think my love of musical theatre does sort of like permeate into the work that I make. It is sort of like multidisciplinary in terms of that it has a lot of text to it, but also music and movement. Um, and now, Alex, um, you're a winner of Les Enfants Terribles. Um, in 2022 how did that come about yes oh it was amazing i mean um so it was an application process in which we were shortlisted um which was wonderful and then it was actually a really interesting evening where um a load of shortlisted companies had to come and present 10 minutes of work um, at the greenwich theater i think it was back in january and it was so exciting but absolutely terrifying it was one of the first sort of like gigs i'd done back from the pandemic um and yeah we had this one shot 10 minute chance to prove our worth and that the, our show was the one to be backed and Les Enfants River are amazing I mean, they are um, Edinburgh legends they've been um, up at the fringe for I think over a decade I, I saw them with my dad actually when I was maybe like 15 years old and I've just heard them for a really long time and so 
Yeah, the creative team, um, my, my, my co-creator Cameron Carver and Jack Cooper and our video designer Virginie Taylor, we just decided to absolutely lock in and we just went, right, we're going to create this incredible 10-minute edit of the show. We're going to put our heart and soul into it. Um, and if we um, don't make, manage to make it work at the end of the day, then, then so be it. But um, we went in there, we absolutely smashed it wow. <laughs> at the end of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me how it came about. How did the process start coming up with No Place Like Home? Well, it, it all started, gosh, maybe in 2018 when I I wanted to make something about the experience of gay clubbing, basically. And yeah, inspired by the fact that I was never hit on in a gay bar. <laughs> no. I was absolutely furious about it. Well, I know, it's terrible. <laughs> and a lot of thinking about how these spaces operate and what happens when you enter into a space with a lot of expectations that you're putting on yourself and maybe the space is putting on you as well. And I think that's the trickiest thing to navigate in gay bars and clubs is, is trying to separate the expectations that the space is putting on you and actually the expectations that you're putting on yourself. And so I knew I wanted to make something uh, about the experience of that. Um, and I think mostly because, you know, I was, I was coming out of various institutions, out of university, out of drama school. And at the core of that, a lot of the time, is the question, who are you? Who are you as an artist? Who are you as a person? And that, that, that question really permeates my mind and is, is in this work massively. Because when you're entering into those spaces, you're trying to find out who you are you're trying to find out where do you belong where's your community where do i sit in this do i do i sit in this and so the show has really been born out of that you know terrifying and actually joyous experience of um sort of navigating this incredible space you know full of cheap booze and drag queens and pop music and um yeah trying trying to connect to other people and trying to connect with yourself and so it started off as a stand-up set at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern many years ago um, where I was just telling stories about me um, on my first nights out and all the sort of like <laughs> shameful, shameful, shameful things I used to get up to. And we realised there was a show in this and we realised there was a really joyful, cathartic experience of um, navigating these spaces and what it means to um, try to find the place where you fit, you know, for, for want of a better phrase, to find, to find home. Hmm. For those who are listening who've never been to the Edinburgh Fringe, give me a little bit of about the atmosphere in, in Edinburgh while the Fringe is uh, going on. Oh, it's absolutely incredible. It's, it's just really buzzing. I mean, there's, there's, something, there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of shows that are up there, and it's obviously very famous for comedy, but the theatre scene there is absolutely extraordinary. And it's, it's such a delight. And it's so amazing for artists as well to be connected to people who are there on the top of their game, bringing work they really care about. There's a lot of financial risk that comes with putting a show up in Edinburgh. And so you're just met with hundreds and thousands of artists who truly believe in the work that they're doing. And I think that's what um, sets it apart. You know, you know, you can be there for four weeks and you'll never even scratch the surface of the amount of, of cultural offering that's up there. Um, and it just, for us, just seemed the right place to go and the right fit for us. Um, so if you're heading up there this year, um, it's going to be even more joyous because it's been three years away and, you know, it feels like um, everyone is just going to be hungry um, to see some work that exists on the fringes that is incredibly exciting and hopefully entertaining and, and challenging as well. Hmm. So uh, what are the dates of the Edinburgh Fringe? So we are up there from the first, 
no, from the 3rd of August to the 29th. Um, every day we've got the 17th of August off. Um, we are going to be at the Pleasant Stone at uh, 5 to 3 every afternoon. So not too early, not too late. If you've had a bit of a large one in the evening, you've got enough time to, to get over it and have a pint in hand <laughs> <laughs> ready to come and see us. Um, and yeah, and if you're around in Liverpool as well, um, on the 28th of July, we're going to be um, doing our Edinburgh preview, our little warm up. Um, there too um, so then you can tell all your friends when you know inevitably all the press start rolling around us saying oh my goodness no person like is incredible it's the pick of the fringe and you can just be really smug and say to all your friends yeah well I saw it first mm, indeed now what else have you got coming up for the rest of the year Alex oh for the rest of the year do you know what at the moment it's all go for Edinburgh all go for Edinburgh okay um, you know this has been this has been um, on the slate for about 12 months and me and my co-producer have been working tirelessly um, to, to, to get it ready and get it up there for a real treat for the audiences um, so actually for the rest of the year I'm going to take a bloody break <laughs> oh and well deserved by the <laughs> sound of it as well yeah, exactly. this sounds like um, it. it's been an awful lot of work for you that um, obviously enjoyable but um, like you say quite oh, tiring as well yeah right give me absolutely. your socials obviously people want to uh, yes. connect with you and uh, get more info from your website absolutely so um, you can find us on all socials at Alex Roberts Co. Um, our website is www.alexrobertsco.org and you can find out all about um, us, all about No Place Like Home, um, and hopefully we'll see you up in the fringe. Well, everyone's on their way already, Alex. Alex Roberts, Marvellous. break a leg. Thanks so much. <laughs> Shout out LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. It's a happiness by Alexis Jordan. Mm. Yes, <laughs> an absolutely fantastic track that. I love yeah. it. Yes. Do you? No oh, good. It's very happiness. funky. Yeah. yeah. Very um, some 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 weeks I just like um you know, I just click the random button and well, yeah, that's how that's you roll, you isn't it, Andy? Yeah. 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 That's how you roll. Yeah. Very nice. Is that doing well <laughs> in the hit parade at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> Here on Radio 1 or Kiss yeah, FM? It's a 12-inch single. Yeah. Ah, 12-inch single. Oh, yeah. So, Andy, how are you? I was, I was, about, I, I, you? I was <laughs> about to say, well, uh, should we not be playing the uh, Pick of the Pops theme? No, but i tell you what theme I am going to ah. play. Is shout out news on Thursday the 21st of July. How about this for a slogan and banner seen at Trans Pride? I just think it would be really neat if you could spend more time worrying about climate change and less time worrying about what's in my knickers. That's a banner that summarised so much of the current Daily Mail and Daily Telegraph-led moral panic over transgender women. And last Saturday, the 16th of July, the largest trans pride event in the UK marched from the LGBTQIA plus community centre in the unofficial gay capital of Brighton down to the seafront, blessed as so many prides have been this year with gorgeous sunshine and warm summer weather. Some 20,000 people at least are estimated to have taken part. Pink News noted that many banners called for the full participation of trans people in sports 
for the end to anti-trans conversion therapies and asserting for people's rights to self-determination and control over their lives. Other observers also added that it was pleasant to see many feminist groups represented, putting the lie to the right-wing claim that most feminists are on a collision course with trans people. The march finished at Brunswick Gardens in Brighton for a party featuring a host of talented poets, musicians and performers, and it was headlined by Travis Alabanza. Hungary's right-wing government continues to oppress millions of its own citizens and build more and more power for itself, something which has put it on a collision course with the European Union, whose subsidies that same government gladly consumes. The EU has said that its patience for the macho man state, which is built around the cult of Viktor Orban, its de facto leader, has run thin, and several court cases are now being pursued against Hungary. One of them directly refers to LGBTQIA plus civil rights, which are curtailed in the country. The EU is also concerned at the independence of the country's media after opposition and liberal TV and radio stations were taken off the air. One such station was Budapest's Club Radio. The closure of this broadcaster has been referred to the European Court of Justice, based in Luxembourg. Other concerns, which are not yet referred to any legal body, are that the legal system within Hungary has been twisted to the will of the ruling party and that democracy is being dismantled. In Somerset, Burnham-on-Sea Media Hub reports that the planned Burnham-on-Sea and High Ridge Pride event, which would have been one of the smallest prides in the UK, did not go ahead on the 16th of July owing to a decision by the council not to award the committee a grant. The organisers say that they hope to be back in 2023, but there was some criticism from members of the LGBT plus community in local papers who said that the event had lacked transparency. The local council said that the Pride funding application had lacked the necessary details for a supporting grant to be made, but they added that they hope to work with the Pride Committee again in future years to ensure that the event gets off the ground. The independent Bristol-based B247 newspaper reports that some radical feminist groups are out of step with public opinion after a consultation organised by Bristol City Council revealed that only 13% of the city's population wanted to see the city's adult entertainment venues closed down. By contrast, 86% of more than 6,000 respondents said that adult entertainment venues should exist in a free society. There are currently two adult entertainment entertainment venues in the city with the possibility under the council's current venue zoning plan for a third one in the gay quarter of old market lgbtqia plus advocates noted that homophobes were hoping to use any bar on the existing heterosexual adult venues to curtail gay and bi men's sex on the premises events meanwhile the bristol sex workers collective issued a statement saying we believe that sex workers rights are workers rights and that the people of Bristol know this. Some weeks ago we mentioned the Tumblr blog challenging fat phobia for its body inclusivity and its embrace of trans, asexual and all other identities that fit under our broad rainbow banner. Well, here's another one that was suggested to us. A daily updated Tumblr called Shapely Women. It's gay and trans friendly and is dedicated to all types of female beauty with a focus on curvy women. It's also a wonderful resource for the art of diverse female beauty featuring paintings from the past. Modern 
Indian cartoon work sits alongside paintings from the Indian Mughal period, representational art from early Mexico, and even very ancient Egyptian representation of black, larger women. The inaugurator of the blog says, I started this in 2008, and I now have over 2,000 paintings of women of all shapes, shades and sizes. You can also view my growing collection of more than 600 male portraits on my brother blog, Eyes on Hom. And finally, in pop music news, the Heritage Chart is topped this week by LGBTQIA plus icon and disco sensation Hazel Dean with her rendition of Like Old Friends Do. Compiled from the cells of notable older and established acts, the Heritage Chart is hosted by former Radio 1 presenter Mike Reed and goes out on several of the UK's smaller television networks, including the local TV series of municipal stations and Talking Pictures TV. Also on the chart this week is Katrina of the Waves, standing at number four. Katrina was one of the headline acts at Bristol Pride on the 9th of July. Well, for these new stories and many, many more, we update our website every day. Please visit shoutoutradio.lgbt. And for Shoutout News, I've been Terry Starr. Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. For more information about Shout Out Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out LGBT radio for you. Oh, a lovely song that one. That's Paloma Faith with uh, "Love Can Hurt Like This." Ooh. Right, none of you could have missed what's been going on with the Tory Party over the last few weeks. I do try. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all try. Yeah. Um, I think we should use the, the full term, the Conservative Party, just for those who are not aware of what the Tory Party means. Okay. Well, if they don't know that, they're probably not going to know what the Conservatives are either. To no, be no they won't be. Should use the right do you know where the phrase Tory comes from? No. It's it's Irish Gaelic. It's a term of abuse. And before the Conservative Party even existed, their opponents would say to the Conservative faction within Parliament, "You're just a bunch of Tories." And uh, over the years, it was sort of re- reclaimed by the party. Oh, as, it didn't as know it was short, abusive. It's, yes. it's an Irish robber. Ah. Yes, a sort of like a highwayman. Ah, that mm. just about sums them up. <laughs> well, well, well. Impartiality, you know. <laughs> Um, right, I, I want to start by reading um, this article from The Eye by Emma Flint, who points out that um, although the Tory leadership race is filled with anti-trans propaganda, the left is no better. Mm. Now, that's very worrying, because most people think the left are quite um, gay-friendly, mm. trans-friendly. Well, so, I don't know, the country is about 50-50, the way the voting is yeah, going. I don't think it's indeed. the case of most do, unfortunately. Yeah. But... Um, I know what you mean. What you're, Most what of our listeners is, probably do. It's yeah. not safe to go either way because even some people in the Greens and the Lib Dems have been anti-trans, mm. which mm. is very worrying. Mm. Um, the collective relief shared by Boris Johnson of resignation seems like a distant memory in the light of the battle for the Tory leadership. Between fierce infighting, cancelled TV debate, debates and <coughs> attempts to one-up each other on whose politics are most reminiscent of Thatcherism, the Conservative Party looks as if it might implode. Amidst that chaos is the party's obsession with trans people. 
As each candidate attempted to carve a path for themselves to number 10, the Conservative stance on trans rights has become increasingly loud and clear. They're against them. From Penny Mordaunt's continued U-turns on self-identification to Liz Truss's staunch refusal to ban trans conversion therapy and the MPs vying for the top spot have been relentless in their attempts to isolate the trans community. But are left-wing parties the saviours that make themselves out to be? While attention is fixed on the Tories' callous game of who can be more transphobic, a distraction tactic that allows them to bypass answering for the irreparable damage they've done to the nation, MPs across the left-wing politics spread equally barbed messages of intolerance. Most recently, Lib Dem Baroness Sarah Ludford has been testing the authenticity of her party's equality for all mantra in a swathe of tweets about the Tory leadership race and Brexit. Ludford has amplified anti-trans viewpoints through retweets with few repercussions from her peers. Conversations once hidden away for fear of being labelled hateful or extremist are now regarded as acceptable discourse with those charged with having our best interests at heart most comfortable sharing them. There's no fear of reprimand. It gives rise to seeing trans rights as a question. Our entrenched opinions no longer allowing to see the humanity in the communities targeted. These, these ideas aren't solely spreading online. Last week, controversial Group LGB Alliance, which maintains that lesbians face extinction, due to efforts to recognise transgender rights, said it had been offered a spot on the upcoming Lib Dem conference, a claim the party CEO Mike Dixon has fiercely denied. So, Terry, you've got some history. This is like history repeating itself for the trans community, isn't it? It very much reminds me of the late 1980s, when um, there was... Uh, a moral panic and I think that the whole trans issue is you know the way it's been portrayed by certain right-wing newspapers and taken up by politicians is a moral panic in the classical sense because you know it is so irrational Uh, and it reminds me very much of the way that lesbians and gay men were treated during the late 1980s with you know ideas that uh, there were explicit school books going out in school libraries and so on there was no such thing there was no agenda there was no extremism from the uh, lesbian it's and gay community fear, at the time it? it was using fear yeah and uh, things got very nasty. Bernard Levin, a, a political commentator at the time, wrote in the Times that there was a galloping frenzy of hatred towards lesbians and gay men. And he said that it made him very uncomfortable. And, uh, of course, it culminated in actions against... Uh, I mean, in those days, it was lesbian and gay. As Daryl Bullock said last week, we, we didn't sort of... The B and the T and the other letters weren't so much in the public eye, were they, in the end of the 1980s? No. Mm. And we talked about lesbian and gay, so that's what we'll, we'll... We'll stick to that nomenclature for the time being. But Capital Gay Newspaper had its offices firebombed by neo-Nazis, and Dame Jill Knight cheered this in Parliament. Do you know what I mean? A parliamentarian yeah. supporting the actions of people who wanted to kill yeah. uh, lesbians and gay men. It was really extreme and then of course mrs thatcher who personally i don't think was as homophobic as she's often made out that's my personal reading of the history but she was certainly prepared to throw uh, the lesbian and gay community to the wolves and they introduced section 28 
of the Local Government Act 1988, which stopped local authorities from funding any gay organisation or lesbian organisation or uh, and, and effectively closed down debate in schools. Although, technically speaking, it was never aimed at schools, but it frightened enough teachers mm-hmm. that, certainly for my generation... There was no proper sex education quite, or relationships education. What's quite so, sick, though, is mm. that you mentioned about Margaret Thatcher's PA. Oh, Margaret Thatcher's secretary towards the end of the 80s was a gay man. Yeah, I mean, that was a real case <laughs> of a turkey voting for Christmas. And there were a lot of, there were a lot of white, middle-class, upper-middle-class gay men in the Conservative Party at the time, as there still are. And I think, you know... Uh, I don't understand it, but, you know, it's uh, a bit of a, a, mm. an unusual situation in much the same way as we find working class yeah. Tories. It's, still, very, it's quite a horror story you know, to hear that um, it, it that's was, not confined to the Tory party, though, that the Lib well, Dems, yeah, uh, I mean, Labour Party. There, Yes, uh, I mean, the behaviour of the Labour Party over Section 28 was quite mixed. It did take a long time for Neil Kinnock to come on board and actually say no this is a he said this is a terrible pink triangle oppressive act of the conservative government so he did eventually come out and say we will oppose this but you see the right-wing newspapers in the 1980s were gunning for labor councils left-wing labor councils like brent harringay all those places in london which were more progressive on gay rights Uh, it was a stick to beat the Labour Party with, and it worked very well for I the remember, Daily Mail at the time. I, I remember in the 90s, people mm. being found out as being gay and having to step down as being an MP. That's right. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. It did happen. And, but it's a very It's interesting. I mean, I, I wasn't aware of this when you brought, brought this article up because I, I was I watched the news on the BBC earlier to, to see what was going on. But I, I, <laughs> it goes back to what Terry read out in the news about the, you know, Go debate something that actually needs debating. Yeah, like the well, economy, we had, maybe. <laughs> we, we, had the, we had the whole thing, uh, and we went through this when we went through marriage equality. It was the oddest thing in the world, watching a load of politicians decide whether I loved my husband or yes, not. Yes, that's well said, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Um, it, it, these kind of things, it's like, what does it really matter? Well, and, and also, what business is it of yours? What business is it yeah, of yours? Yeah, but there's still fear. And for the LGBT alliance to be in, involved is infuriating. I mean, because they, they state on their website that sex is um, observed at birth. And I'm like, well, it may be on the outside, but there's a bit more to a human being than, than Indeed. just that. Yeah. But, and, I mean, what made them hateful? Well, you know, think, where well, does I, that I think hatred come from? That's I think it's very important to state the LGB Alliance does not belong in the long continuum of gay rights organisations. No. No, it only started in 2019. It's mm. not, it is linked with reactionary groups in America, fundamentalist groups in America, mm. and it's rather similar to some of these organisations that claim to be feminist, which are against trans rights. Mm. Those organisations, for example, are very silent on Roe versus Wade, the abortion rights which have been overturned in America. And the reason they're very silent on it is because they've made a Faustian pact with evangelical christian groups in the united states to, to bash trans people that's what they're doing so yeah. so they're not interested in a real woman's issue so I mean, to speak yeah you know, I mean, it, real, it, which is abortion rights and it, it is rights. history repeating itself and I, and I do hope that i mean equality um when you're homosexual is still not right no. but it's a lot better than it was in the 80s and 90s and i i'm pretty sure if we keep on with the fight 
it will get there with trans people. I wish it would get there a lot quicker. I'm hoping it will. You'd because, have thought in the 21st because, yeah, century the amount it would. Of, you know, we didn't have things like the internet back then. Mm. You know, and, and I do think it was a big game changer because people who didn't know or didn't understand had a medium they could go and research in the privacy of their own home without fear of re uh, repercussions or anything. And I think it opened a lot of eyes to people go, actually, you know, someone being gay is not as bad as I'm told. It's not the devil incarnate. Well, this and, is and you can do that um, exact same thing, researching about trans um, issues now the danger is the internet's moved on a bit and it's also full of a load of rubbish yeah. you know so take make sure you use a good source and fear always works it but works yeah with Brexit and, and with immigration and the other worry is if we get through the fight with trans people who on earth are they going to pick on next well they find someone yeah we, we also have to think about the difference between what is tolerance and acceptance yeah. So whereas if you take in the 1970s, there were, huge, there were a number of reports where people were not being tolerant of the, um, the lesbian and gay community. Now you move that 20 years on, the 1990s, there is more tolerance and into the 2000s there's acceptance. Yeah. We are still at that tolerance stage with the trans community in the wider public opinion that is why these right-wing groups can still do this but I, I would like to, that, i'd like to think that there are a lot more people like the rest of the lgbt plus community who have been through it who have such a big voice that are supportive that they can shout that message yeah. of um, acceptance a lot louder than happened yeah. previously and, and that's hopefully what we will be able to do is yeah. actually be able to say we need to have the acceptance for all of our community yeah. and get rid of all of yeah. this and this is why it comes back down to the fact that lgbt plus is better as a whole yes because we are you stronger know together. stronger together thank yeah. you that was exactly and, what i was going to say I was gonna, and it brings me another point that andy was making about um being together is that um the lesbian activist Lisa Power, who worked for many years for Terence Higgins Trust, was one of the founding members of Gay Switchboard way back in 1974. She said all this stuff about lesbians being erased by trans women, she said it's a load of old bunkum. The vast majority of lesbians, she said, are in favour of trans rights. And she said... I have lost about three friends that, that you know that object to my support of trans rights. She said everyone else is absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that tiny minority shout very loud. And yeah, and that's always the way. It's the same with the, the religious minority. And you know, when we were at Pride, you know, um, there were I'm going off subject slightly. There were there were uh, extremist groups handing out anti-gay literature. I don't know if the Pride Committee are aware of that, but where we were yes. waiting. There were people sort of handing out uh, fundamentalist Christian literature, but no one listened. All those leaflets ended up on the ground and were picked up and recycled. And uh, there was a very large contingent of gay-friendly, queer-friendly, LGBTQIA plus-friendly oh, Christians marching. Yeah. But can I event. just so say, you know, those nice people thing. that were handing out those leaflets mm. that were fundamentalist Christian didn't get beat up or slagged or abused no. in any way shape or form no in fact if you look yeah, at what happened in london tolerated. pride when the um cast of heartstopper um they just went and danced in front of them <laughs> they danced in yes. front of me you know yeah. I mean, they did. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter what what you try and do we don't tend as a community to respond with 
No. Nastiness and violence. We respond with love, um, love, love and, and like and you know. dancing. And, and we and there was there was um, I'm sure it was at Western Supermare Pride. We interviewed one of the drag queen um, story readers who was saying yeah, that um, Ada HD, yes, yeah. who had had a terrible time um, yeah. when someone came up and started spouting um, horrible things in their face, and they yeah. literally they started singing. I forget what the song was now, um, and everybody else joined in, if I recall correctly. And it's a very interesting point for you to consider that Armistead Morpin, the gay writer, said, "If you think about it, the LGBT plus movement is one of the few movements in history that has never ever." resorted to firebombing or arson yeah. or anything like that. I mean, even the suffragettes did for women's rights. They, they firebombed places. But the LGBTQIA plus community never have. They've made their point with love and compassion. We like rainbows and too nice. much. <laughs> and yeah, you could see that after Pride. It, it was lovely. When, when we left Pride and we were... I mean, I was shattered by the end of the day, as I'm sure you all were. But we, we were driving down Park Street... Um, uh, White Lady's Road down Park Street and down to the centre and where people have been like trickling out all you could see was this sea of rainbow all the way through it Bristol it was great moving on from that um, and going to company uh, support uh, like oh. the Halifax using badges with their pronouns on oh yeah it yeah. was quite simple um, very small lots of, lots of them Liz Truss absolutely lost her poop why? Oh, because she thought it was horrendous. The, the Halifax, because Halifax also said, because they had a lot of complaints from um, transphobes and. Yeah. And they said, the, if you don't like it, close your account, didn't they? Yes, yeah. absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Which, yeah. which means that lots, yeah. of it, lots more people will go and join the Halifax. Which I think it shows how it's closed is now, if you're a homophobe or a transphobe, you're now in the minority. Whereas yeah. perhaps in the 1960s and 70s, yeah. it was LGBTQIA plus allies that were in the minority. And these big international companies, like Ben & Jerry's. I know well, Ben & Jerry's forget. is quite small itself, um, but and we do work. owns it. It's huge. We do work there too, <laughs> you yeah. know. So, and, we, and what would have happened back in those in those days, we would have been silent in the company. So it would have been like, you know, there's no one in the company who's gay. Just like there's apparently no one gay in Russia, you know. It's, um, that's a completely different topic, but... Um, yeah. You know, and and the people that are in in these companies want to feel, um, you know, there's, there's a huge great um, movement in corporate companies towards us enjoying work, not just doing the work, because they they've realised that you spend a lot of your life at work, and if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to want to stay there, mm-hmm. um, and. There is definitely, I mean, I work in the IT industry and there is a huge, huge shortage of people um, with technical skills at the moment. Yes, you know, there so, are. Yeah. And it costs a lot of money to train someone yeah. um, when, when you get them. So the best thing you can do is hold on to them. And of course, these things, especially to the younger generations, they mean a big deal. The whole, you know, what are we doing about global warming? How yep. green are we? You know, how equal are we? How how can I be myself when I'm at work? Because mm. I can do the job, but I don't, you know, I'm so, I won't lie, I'm very glad that the days of a shirt and tie are starting to disappear. <laughs> Me too. Because Me I too. do remember in the 90s <laughs> having to wear them to the point I would get like shaving rash around my neck. I'm just like, oh, for heaven's sake. Well, going off uh, LGBTQ, um, 
plus community about got abortion minute, rights. Way, yeah. um, last month's decision by the US Supreme Court to restrict women's rights to abortion led some of the country's biggest companies to speak out against the decision and to offer to pay their employees to travel to a state that would allow it. Yeah. Oh, that's how companies are fighting back. Yeah. And you mentioned Ben and Jerry's, and can I just say, yeah. Ben and Jerry's is... Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. I love their banoffee yeah. pie flavour. And of course, it Wonderful. used to be American. It was from New England, but it's owned yes. by the Brits now. Oh, is yes. it? Oh, yeah. no, it's changed one going the yeah, other. And they're very, good, yeah. they're very good for green things, aren't they? I mean, mm. I mean, they do a vegan alternative. If you're listening, Ben and Jerry, got a complaint. There's hundreds and hundreds of varieties in Canada and the US. You restrict the varieties in the UK. Not getting that at all. Yeah, we need more ice cream. Well, I certainly <laughs> do. Especially, especially, especially this weather. Especially <laughs> the way the temperature keeps going up in this country, yeah. Stretch your teller for me. <laughs> but what about Huggin' Dust, though? Well, they're okay. Oh, as long as nice. I don't mind. Yeah, that's Unilever, I think. Isn't I it? prefer gelato rather than ice cream. Um, and yes, no. What's, what's in the Bath, there's a lovely more gelato. Cream. Yeah, there's oh, a lovely right. gelato bar. Oh. Yeah. Have you ever been to one of the ones where it looks like they're, they're like um, pouring milk onto a pancake thing, but it's actually a freezing oh. um, thing instead of oh. a hot plate? And they like move it around and like crush up all your strawberries, and and then they kind of like oh. scrape it off into little like um, twills and stick it in a pot for you to eat. That was so interesting. Mm. Like a cold yeah, they, crap. They, they effectively, yeah, and they make ice cream right there in front of you. It's really cool. Oh, wonderful. So, and we're going to need lots more of it the way it's going. So, indeed, thunderstorms yeah. coming, and then we've got another round of hot coming. Not Ooh, quite to the same not degree. Not quite as intense. Yeah. No. no, that that really was was quite yeah, high. Wasn't stay it? hydrated in the yeah. hot weather. Look yeah. after your animals. And Cooler weekend ahead this weekend. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, anyway, that's it for another week. Uh, but we will be back at the same time, uh, same channels next week. Catch up on episodes of Shout Out. You've missed a shout out radio.lgbt. Next week, it's all about Maisie. Oh, uh, she's the oldest drag queen in the world, apparently. So. Apparently yeah. so. Uh, but from myself, from the lovely Andy, the lovely Terry, and the lovely Steph. Bye bye now. Bye bye there. Bye bye. Shout out. LGBT radio for you.